podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Not just any Monday. It's the Monday after Selection Sunday. It's Selection Monday, the NCAA women's side. Uh, for that bracket, will be revealed later today. I mean, what else are we going to talk about today? I, mean, could... <laughs> I feel like we should talk about the Big 12 tournament for a little bit. And by we... I mean, the people who join me every Monday to recap the weekend that was and look ahead to the week that will be. Uh, Andy Mitz. Yeah, hopefully um, my voice isn't going to give out because I was actually at the Big Doll tournament yelling my brains out and uh, my voice is suffering for it. You know what? You'll make do. And Jamie Steyer. I too was at the Big 12 tournament, unable to yell my brains out at the game that I went to due to being on the radio. But... Hey, I commend your efforts there. Uh, and I've been at home dealing with children, so my throat is fine. Uh, <laughs> my my mind's a little bit whatever, but here we are. Okay, so obviously Selection Sunday is done. Before we, let, We'll talk about the bracket in a second. Let's do the Big 12 tournament. Any thoughts on um, on what happened in, in Kansas City? I mean, honestly, I think it was really 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 upsetting the fact that kansas had to bow out because of COVID issues um i think that kansas texas game could have been one of the better games of the tournament and you know that baylor oklahoma state game was absolutely phenomenal um and i mean i i don't know yes texas was playing really really well in that championship game but they also benefited from having a day off um i don't know if they had played kansas the night before if they would have looked quite as sharp and i think kansas could have given them a lot of problems I'm not saying that I think Kansas would have won the tournament if they hadn't bowed out for COVID, but I definitely think there was a possibility there, and we all got robbed of a very, very good matchup by the fact that Kansas couldn't play. Yeah, that was that was definitely a bummer. Um, I'll say that I was just beyond thrilled to get a tournament to watch because I was there last year as everything shut down around us, and that was really, really, tough but um the women's side obviously once it got to the championship game Baylor really kind of put a beat down on West Virginia but um we had one of the best days of Big 12 tournament play ever with the first ever two overtime games in the same day for the quarterfinals. So that was super dope. Obviously bummed that one of them was Iowa state losing to Texas in overtime, but I mean, I just love how competitive it was. Um, to see everyone in the same place again was pretty incredible, but yeah, I mean, I, I went to obviously the Iowa state men's game as well, and then watched basically everything I could. And I don't know. I think it really more than anything drove home how exciting it is to have everything in Kansas city. Cause like I grew up going to the two tournaments that happened basically back to back when I was a little kid. And I think that next year is going to be like nuts. So obviously that's not game related, but that's more tournament related. Oh, it's going to be so fun. Yeah. Look, let me say this. Texas fans celebrate 
enjoy it. Your team won the Big 12 tournament. It's the first time they've done so. It was their seventh try. It was their first win. Celebrate, cheer, drink, uh, ride a longhorn down the streets of Austin, whatever you want to do, like have fun with it. Do not fault. No one should fault Texas fans for celebrating them winning that trophy. No one should fault the Texas players for celebrating winning that championship. Nothing that happened with Kansas was their fault. It's not their fault. They got a day off. They got a day off. They took advantage of that day off. They used it to their benefit, and they won. That's it. They've been playing really well. They've been playing well down the stretch. It's a good team. It's a talented team. They won the Big 12 tournament. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I will say, having been there and seeing some of them up close and in person, th- there was some, some calls. Uh, but, I mean, it wasn't anything, you know, abnormal, like, Big 12 ref stuff like it's it was your normal Big 12 refs being super inconsistent yeah um that that I, I think I think led directly to Texas being able to close the game out that being said they played well enough to win it they they benefited from some calls you know good job for what they did I, I had a an issue with some of the comments that came afterwards but I think we can talk about those later if if we deem that important enough well I, I think it's the point of fans should celebrate and I and I don't want anyone to feel like Two things are true. Texas won. Fans should celebrate. Players should celebrate. It's not their fault. We're not going to asterisk the win. There's not going to be a mark or a note in Wikipedia or anywhere in the record books that said, well, Texas only played two games in there, and they were the, the five and the six seed. Nope. Doesn't matter. But also true is the fact that Texas got a day off. They didn't have to play against Kansas. Oklahoma State played an incredibly tough game, high-level game against Baylor the night before. And you could tell watching both teams, one had played a game and one hadn't. I'm not saying Texas wouldn't have won had they played against Kansas at all. I'm not saying Oklahoma State would have won. I'm saying all these things can be true. And I think we have a hard time sometimes being okay with the fact that like that is the reality and you won. No one cares five years from now. All they know is you won the tournament and that's matters. So enjoy it. I'm not going to fault any fan from celebrating. Um, if you if you don't like the fact that people are going to say you won in part by having a day off, I mean that's fine. But that is that is probably true, and that's that's okay. That's 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 okay. It's okay that that is probably reality. The only beef I really had, and again, it's not his fault, is player of the tournament going to a Texas player, and I know it typically goes to someone on the team who wins the whole dang thing. Okay, I get that. And I get that it's not anyone on Texas team's fault that Kansas got had COVID issues and had to drop out and Texas only played two games. But at the same time, it's not Oklahoma State's fault that they had to play all three games and were tired and lost the title game. And so I think you have to comment it from a more realistic expectation of saying one team played three games. One player played three games and played great. Uh, or a couple of players played three games and played great, and a couple of players played two games and played great. I know the t- team that played two games won, but I think it, there are times where the idea that you have to pick the best player of the tournament from the team who wins is kind of silly. And I make the case in point because Texas made the Big 12 championship title game when Kevin Durant was there, and Kevin Durant got player of the tournament. Texas lost that tournament. So it's not like the precedent hasn't been set for that to happen before. But whatever. It doesn't matter. 
It's just my thoughts. It's interesting too, because obviously you have to have the tournament team voted on by the end of the game. And so there's actually two separate slots for who is your player of the tournament if this team wins and who is your player of the tournament if the other team wins. And so it just, obviously it just reinforces the notion that the players should come from the winning team. And that's the notion that most people do subscribe to, but having obviously the first time that I've covered a tournament, having that information sent out and seeing that on the ballot, I was like, Oh, I suppose that's kind of interesting because you have to have your selections made at least on the women's side with two minutes to go in the championship game. So they can have everything ready. Well, I mean, it's, it's the same kind of argument that where we talk about where, you know, like MVP voting or like player of the year, a lot of times, you know, that will have to be decided like immediately after the last regular season game. When, if we're really looking at it, postseason, you know, should play into those. And honestly, I think changes kind of the way that we think about those players and, and who actually is the player of the year or the, you know, player of the year or, or things like that. And so like, it, it's the same kind of situation. They want to be able to announce it by a certain date, which inevitably means that you're not actually going to be able to, to capture all of the, you know, pertinent information that's going to go into actually making that selection correctly. I mean, I, I, I agree that there were a lot of Texas players that played really well. And, and I mean, you could even make the argument, like if it was player of the game, like I, I think you could make the argument for Texas and, and, but you know, Cade Cunningham had a much better tournament overall than any individual Texas player. And so like, I, I thought he should have gotten player of the tournament um, just kind of watching, you know, what it was that they did and kind of seeing how, how he did it. And, and so like, I, I, I definitely agree with you that it's one of those things where it's unfortunate that he doesn't get that recognition because he absolutely should have been, I think, player of the tournament just with the way that he played the entire weekend. Yep. No, I just, and and maybe it's justice for him winning Big 12 Player of the Year, which some people didn't agree with in the regular season based off the coach vote, whatever. Um, but it's not like it was unprecedented. It's fine. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's just it's just thoughts that I have. All right, so let's talk about the bracket because that's that's what we're all here to talk about. That's what matters the most. The bracket is out. It's It's go time. And we knew the seven Big 12 teams that were going to make the bracket, which didn't know where they were seated. So we're going to break those down one by one, talk about the bracket overall here in just a minute. But first, March is here, and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with MyBookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in MyBookie Bracket Contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes, and it's only a dollar to enter. Does it matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets? betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for players and game props, MyBookie has you covered. Sign up today at MyBookie.ag and use the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code 1012 to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, and NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, from tip-off to buzzer, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Right, so the bracket is out. We know where everyone is. Um, let's put it this way. Wh- which uh, which corner of the bracket would you guys like to start with? We got east, west, south, and midwest. Where would we like to go first? I'd say we go with the midwest because honestly, I think that that's the one that's the most interesting to me, especially from a Big 12 perspective. Okay, so the Big 12 with two teams in the midwest. And this is pretty much the only debate most people have had regarding the Big 12 when it comes to the bracket. 
West Virginia, the three seed in the Midwest, uh, they'll face off against 14 seed Moorhead State uh, in their first game. Uh, if, if they make it far enough, they'll face two seed Houston. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State is the four seed in the bracket. They'll open against number 13 seed Liberty with either Tennessee or Oregon State waiting and uh, number one seed Illinois waiting there in the Sweet 16. I am an Oklahoma State fan. I do my best to set my bias aside as much as possible. But this isn't just me. This is an overall, from what I can tell from most of people who actually watch and cover and bleed college basketball, Oklahoma State was massively underseeded. And I think it's massively. I do think it is. Because you saw after them beating Baylor, most a lot of projections had them as high as a two. You thought, well, they lost to Texas. Okay, maybe they dropped back down to the top three seed. Based off where the NCAA committee had all the teams ranked, Oklahoma State was a full seed, like a full seed, a full like four teams lower than West Virginia because they're the three and the four in the same stinking region. And this is not a shot at West Virginia. I'm really glad West Virginia is really good this year, but you got to explain to me how Oklahoma State is four spots Worse than a team they just beat twice in a row, has more quad one wins over, has more road wins over, and only finished a half game back in the conference standings because West Virginia didn't have to play Baylor twice. Someone's going to have to explain this one to me. I mean, I don't I, understand. I can tell you what it is. It's those losses at TCU. I mean, that that literally is what it is. I mean, I, I don't think it should have been weighed as much as it it obviously was. Like, if if I'm looking at these brackets, like, you know, if I could change one thing, it would be I would just reorder the top four seeds in that bracket. I would go ahead and put Oklahoma State at the two, probably Houston as the three and West Virginia as the four. And if you just switch those three around that way, or even if you were just to swap Oklahoma State and West Virginia, you know, and make Oklahoma State the three and West Virginia the four, I would have been per- perfectly fine with that. I found it strangely suspicious that somehow West Virginia ended up as the second highest big 12 team in terms of the overall seed line um, when, you know, it didn't, it didn't, honestly, I would probably put them as five in terms of, you know, pecking order of the big 12. I don't think that West Virginia's resume was as good as anyone else in the big 12, except for, um, you know, Oklahoma. Um, And I'm missing one other one here for some reason. Oh, and then Texas tech, of course, sorry. Uh, I I don't know why I completely forgot about them actually being in the bracket at this point because we were just talking about them. But uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things there that West Virginia, I thought was clearly behind the rest of the teams that were in that, you know, two to three to four seed range from the big 12. And somehow the committee looked at their resume, which didn't have as many wins, Um, you know, especially like comparing them to Kansas, Kansas had more, Quad one wins, less losses, more wins overall, less losses overall. Like, I just don't know how you objectively look at the resumes of those two teams and slot them in the order that you did. Um, I thought West Virginia got a really big gift there to be the three going up against Houston as the two because I think they match up well. And I think that they're kind of in the perfect spot to be able to get themselves to an elite eight here. Well, I think it's really interesting too because so many times you can you can look for other excuses, you know, like when we're looking at regions and, and matchups and things like that in a normal year, there are considerations that are made regarding location, distance, things like that, that 
are impactful and you could maybe make that argument of, well, you know, we didn't want to send them all the way across the country or, oh, this, this just matched up better for whatever reason. But in a year where they say this is straight up going to be put in order of, you know, one to 68 and they're going to be put in their spots accordingly. It's just bizarre to, like you said, Phil, not only have West Virginia ahead, but to have them that many spots ahead. I mean, it was just, it was just really bizarre as I was sitting there and my fiance and I were looking at the seedings and we were looking at the order of, okay, this is the first number two seed. This is the fourth number two seed. As I read that one out, he like had me go back and say that sequence again, because he's like, I just don't understand what's going on in that section. And that's a Big Ten fan that, I mean, obviously he gets to watch a lot of Big 12 basketball because he lives with me, but it's just weird. And I don't, I mean, obviously there is like, you point at TCU and say, okay, that's probably the excuse there. But besides that, I don't see that as a good enough reason. And so I just don't get it. So the overall rankings, the one through 68, Baylor's the highest big 12 at two. West Virginia is the second highest at 10. Texas is 11. Yeah. Kansas is 12. OSU is 15. Now look, if you want to go with big 12 rank, you know, final standings, Kansas was second. Texas was third. West Virginia was fourth. Oklahoma state was, was fifth. Okay. Uh, let's go to the net. And I don't love the net. I have a problem with any sort of gauging metric that puts Colgate at ninth overall, but it's what we've got. Uh, Baylor was number two. Um, they had eight quad one wins because, you know, we've, we put quad ones, two, three, four. We put these out there, which means they're supposed to have an impact, right? Uh, Kansas was 11th. They had seven. They were seven and eight in quad one. Texas Tech was 17, four and 10. Again, part of the net you have to remember is it's not just about who you win. It's also the the metrics. It's the numbers. It's how you win. It's your it's all of that stuff that goes into it. It's not listed on this and it bothers me because I think it takes too much into the metrics of it because I'm sorry, Texas tech. I know you, you win a lot of close games. You lose a lot of close games. You also lose a lot of games. You don't finish them. Uh, Texas was 21st. West Virginia was 23rd. So they were two, three, fifth. Uh, and Oklahoma state was 29th. West Virginia and Kansas was seven and eight in quad one. West Virginia is seven and seven. Texas had eight quad ones. Baylor had eight quad ones. Oklahoma State has ten quad ones. They're ten and six. They have more road wins. I just, I, I, they literally beat them twice in the last like couple weeks. Once on the road without their two best players. I just, I look at this. Oh, by the way, Oklahoma State beat all of the three seeds. Kansas, Texas, West Virginia, and Arkansas. I just, I, I don't try. I try not to buy any conspiracy theory stuff. I really don't. Let's play them all out. Let's play all the conspiracy theories because why not? It's fun. Number one, um, who is the head of the uh, selection committee this year? Who was is, who is the one talking on CBS and ESPN after the bracket was announced? Some random the, guy that I don't know who he oh, was. Oh, no, it's the athletic director of uh, Kentucky. That would be the school that Cade Cunningham didn't pick to go to. He chose Oklahoma State instead. It's conspiracy theory number one. Conspiracy theory number two. I wish he wasn't even supposed to be here. The NCAA laid the hammer down on them. They shouldn't even be allowed to be in the tournament. You get a four seed in a tough draw. If you're going to be here, we're going to make it hard on you. Conspiracy number three, number three. This is the one I actually buy. It's all about making money. It's all about telling stories. 
And this year, you can pretty much match up whoever you want in whatever order because it doesn't worry about road things and situations like that. Oklahoma State's potential Sweet 16 round would be with who? Number one seed, Illinois. Who's the head coach at the University of Illinois? Anybody? I I feel bad because I don't remember his name, but, you know, the guy that used to Brad, coach at Oklahoma Brad State. Underwood? Yeah, yeah, Brad there Underwood. we go. The guy, the guy that was the head coach at Oklahoma State for one season and then left and, and his assistant, Mike Boynton, stuck around to go over as head coach. That would be that would be the conspiracy theory I'll buy into. All of those things make more sense than well, they lost to TCU twice, and you know they they turn the ball over too much, so their metrics aren't great. I just don't, I don't. And again, this isn't a. This sounds like a shot at West Virginia. It's not. It's a shot at the NCAA selection committee. I mean, I want West Virginia to win. I would really like them to go on a run and knock off Houston. If we could just get a West Virginia Oklahoma State Elite Eight and let them play for a fourth time. I would be okay with it. I don't think West Virginia fans want to see that, but I would be okay with that. That that would be a guaranteed Big Twelve team in the Final Four. So let's just let's just hope for that. Let's hope for a three four matchup in the Elite Eight down in the Midwest. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on who you have coming out of this one? Whether you want to do a Final Four, or just uh, let's do it this way. I hate picking Final Four teams. I think that's hard. If you had to pick right now, and who your Elite Eight teams would be here, who would you pick? You actually already said it. I I I actually legitimately think that it's going to be Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Uh, uh, well, okay. So my brother has been putting in hours on his bracketology and he told me that his national champion pick was Illinois and he's really smart and that's like his whole life. And I haven't been able to get a hold of him for his updated thoughts after the bracket came in because I think he's screening his calls. But I I am not one to go against uh, the wisdom of Eric Steyer. And so I think I would have to say that my number one pick to go out of there would be Illinois. But having watched good amount of Illinois due to the Big Ten and Big 12 interests in our household, I would say that I would enjoy watching West Virginia play them, and who knows? So that'd probably be mine. Yeah, I'm with Jamie. I, I would I would go West Virginia, Illinois, and, and part of it is I don't have a lot of respect for Houston. I I get the metrics. I get it all. I get why they're a two seed, but if you're going to gripe about their resume, then you have to gripe about Gonzaga's, you know, it's the same thing of like, yeah, they don't have to play the teams that a big 12 team does, but they, they, they win pretty handily. They are a good team. I do think they're going to, they can make a run. I would be, I I don't think there's going to be a, look, I'm putting every one and two to straight to the sweet 16 period. I, I just I I think your over and under seeded teams are going to fall in the four five six kind of range, and un, over and under seeded teams, which I think is going to be a big deal here because of COVID and everything else. But I think the ones and the twos for the most part are going to are going to get to the Sweet Sixteen. Look, a part of me worries because I'm pretty sure Jim Beheim sold his soul to the devil to make sure that Syracuse never misses the tournament and always makes a run in there, which is the only reason that makes sense that Syracuse always gets in and always seems to make some sort of a run. Um, so that scares me a little bit. But 
I think I would go with Illinois and and West Virginia as well if I was going to pick right now. And maybe that's my Big 12 bias. And again, I love you, West Virginia. I really do. But that just seems the most likely to me as well. One one real quick point where you said about Houston that if you complain about their resume, you have to complain about Gonzaga's. I don't think it's quite the same because, you know, this is the Houston team that has three losses and wasn't even the number one seed in their own conference tournament. So it's not like they are blowing people away to the same degree that Gonzaga was. I don't know why they're a two seed. I don't. I don't. Smarter people than me are going to have to explain to me why Houston is a two seed. I understand they're 24 and three. <clears throat> they are good. They're a good team. Um, they've got wins over Texas Tech. Well, I'm looking for more good wins. Um, Wichita State, who's in the tournament. Uh, I I think the fact that you have to search so hard for them is kind of making the point there, though. The American is down this year. Wichita State's the only other American team who made the tournament. No one else did. They beat Texas Tech in non-conference. I think they got a lot of wins where they blew out the opponent or won big. And I think that's the thing. I think they, they beat a lot of teams by a lot. You beat the bad, the teams you should beat by around 20 a lot of the time. 18, 17, 16, you know, 20 points. So I think that plays into it. I think Houston's good. I think when they face a team that is also good, I just think West Virginia beats them. So I, I think, yeah, Illinois, West Virginia makes the most sense. I just don't buy Houston. Maybe they will be. Maybe they'll make a, a big run and be the, the surprise team. I just, I don't know. I don't see it. Um, how about we go to, let's go to the West because there are two big 12 teams there. And I know Andy's itching to talk about Kansas. Uh, Oklahoma is the eight seed and they'll face Missouri, who is the nine before facing off against Gonzaga in the second round. Yes, I'm picking Gonzaga to knock off whoever wins the play-in game between the two teams. I don't remember because old Norfolk, Norfolk State and, and Appalachian State. State. And I, I don't know. And, and I'm going to say, hold on, hold on. I don't normally cuss on this podcast, but you committee for not making sure that Michigan played Norfolk or Appalachian State in the first round. I know, seriously. You, like, oh my gosh. I knew that that they were both ugh. there. And I was like, come on, this makes the most sense at all just to do that. I mean, like you said earlier, this tournament is all about the storylines because half of the bracketing, you know, um, guidelines don't really matter this time because they're not actually in physical locations. So it's like, of course, you're going to take every opportunity to get every single possible interesting game that you can get on there. They did it with Illinois, Oklahoma state, you know, down the line there. Why don't you give us that, that treat with Michigan versus Appalachian state? I don't know. I don't know. So um, we also in this bracket down in the bottom half, we have Kansas as the three C they open up against Eastern Washington and we'll face uh, if they get past Eastern Washington. Yeah. Uh, we'll face either USC or the winner between Wichita state and Drake. Let me just say this now. Please let me have Kansas versus Wichita State in the second round. I I honestly think that that's what we're going to get, and it's going to be phenomenal. I kind of do, too. I kind of do as well. I kind of do. Okay, so let's talk about Kansas here for a second, Andy. Um, How far do you think they go in this bottom half of the bracket? Because I I know Iowa's good, and I'm sure Jamie's going to have plenty of insight on Iowa here in just a minute. But... Iowa doesn't play defense. They're really good offensively. They don't play defense. Um, Oregon's under probably a little bit underseeded, which is what always happens to Oregon. I don't. I, I think. I think Kansas has an opportunity here. Yeah, I mean, it. It really, I think, comes down to how quickly they get people back. You know, the news actually just came out about 
15 minutes ago that uh, Kansas for their first round game is going to be without three players. They're going to be without Tristan Anaruna, David McCormick, and Jalen Wilson. Um, well, I'm sorry. Presumably it's Jalen Wilson. He's the only person that hasn't, like we haven't heard from since, and no one's officially said that that's who it was. But uh, one of the players accidentally said on a live um, who it was. And while most people that are reporters aren't picking up on that intentionally, I think, because they don't want to put the guy on blast. Um, yeah, we all know who it is, and he has not actually made any kind of media appearances, so it makes perfect sense. Um, Jalen Wilson seems to be the player, you know, that I'm I'm, I'm just going to go with, that that he is the player that ended up testing positive. They're going to be without him, without McCormick, without Tristan and Aruna. Obviously, I think two of those kind of matter for them, but I also don't think that Eastern Washington is a, is, is a team that you necessarily have to worry about at that point. If everything goes to plan, McCormick will be will be eligible to arrive in Indianapolis on Saturday, which would be in between the two games. Um, you know, obviously him and Anaruna as well. Um, and so Kansas will almost be back at full strength for that game against presumably, I'm going to say Wichita State, just because that's who I think comes out of there. Um, Kansas, assuming they can get into the second weekend, you know, like I, I, I worry about how they're going to match up with Iowa, but we've already seen this Kansas defense has been playing phenomenally recently, shut down a really, really good offense in Baylor. Um, yes, you can talk about the exigent circumstances that were happening there with Baylor coming back from COVID recently, but this is a really good defense that can really, you know, cause problems for teams that rely pretty much solely on their, on their offense. I also think that the, the, the Baylor defense is a whole lot better than Iowa's defense. And so I give Kansas a chance. I just think, you know, I, I don't get my hopes up too much with this Kansas team, especially when they're having all these issues, you know, going into the tournament. I, I've seen this team, unfortunately, flame out a little older, earlier than anyone expects when, you know, they have a much better team going into the tournament. So I'm not expecting them to get to the Elite Eight, but I wouldn't be shocked if they got there and got a rematch with Gonzaga and actually had an opportunity to, you know, deal a blow to this Gonzaga undefeated season with the way that they're playing defense right now. Again, I'm not going to pick them to make it to the Final Four, but if you told me, you know, two weeks from now that Kansas is getting ready to play in a Final Four, I don't know that it would be like, shock the world, oh my gosh, I couldn't have seen this coming at all. I just wouldn't have expected it. Yeah, I, I think, Jamie, do you, you, again, you have a closer connection to Iowa than anyone else does as a as representative of the Iowa Cyclones. Um, do you, I'm sorry, that joke never gets old. Do you have any thoughts on, on a potential Kansas-Iowa matchup? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I have to point out that finally Iowa State got something in our because sporting news on Twitter put out a graphic naming Luca Garza their player of the year and on it they said he was from Iowa State and so that was pretty satisfying. <laughs> nice. Uh, really About enjoyed time, that right? one. Uh, that was really excellent. Felt pretty good. But I have watched a lot of Iowa basketball this year. Not a sentence that I thought I would utter like five years ago, but here we are. Um, Honestly, Iowa's biggest detriment right now is that their best backup post in Jack Nunji got hurt, and so he's out for the season. They have really, really struggled as a result of that down low. We saw it in the Iowa versus Illinois game in their conference tournament that Luca Garza couldn't come out of the game unless Kofi Coburn was out because no one else has the ability to guard him really, really at all, um, which obviously severely limits 
your lineups. And so I think that assuming Kansas is back to fairly full strength by that point, they could have a similar situation um, with their big guys there, where if you can pound it into the paint, if you can get it down low and you can make Luca Garza have to battle down there, and especially, gosh, if you can get a couple fouls on them, that's like really a game changer and something that they've struggled with a little bit this year as well. Um, but that really changes things. He's shown signs of fatigue. He hasn't been shooting the three quite as well um, as he has the rest of the year. And so that takes out a pretty significant piece as well, as far as that matchup between potentially Luca Garza and David McCormick. But um, I think if you're Kansas, you have to look at it as a pretty big opportunity because that is the kind of matchup that is not favorable to Iowa is having to play out the game on the block. And so obviously uh, it, it takes a couple games to get there, but if you can get to that point, I think if you're Kansas, you feel all right about that being um, on one of your matchups on the way to, like you said, any potentially being able to take on Gonzaga. I feel like if you're sitting there staring down the barrel, looking at Iowa, you're like, okay, let's, let's do it. I'll say this for Kansas in their first round matchup. I know that Eastern Washington finishes the third place team in the big sky. I kind of think some of that was due to just COVID and scheduling issues because in the end of it all, they ended up with the big sky player of the year in, um, Tanner Groves ended up with the big 12 or the big, big sky offensive play of the year in Kim Aiken. And essentially what it's their, their top reserve, aka their sixth man of the year in Tyler Robertson. It's not a, it's not a, and this isn't a team you should be scared of because it's from Washington, but it's not a bad team. It's a talented team. I would argue is one of the better teams in the big sky. It is the kind of team that you look at and go, okay, Kansas down three guys down, arguably the most important player for, for Kansas down the stretch here. And McCormick, the best player for, for Eastern Washington is a forward in Tanner Groves. It might not be a an easy matchup. I'm not saying that Kansas is going to lose this, but it might be a closer game than I think a lot of people might expect with, with Kansas going against somebody like Eastern Washington. So I, I do think if Kansas can get past Eastern Washington with the the players that are out, I think they've got a real shot at an elite eight bid to face off against Gonzaga again. I mean, I think that's... I mean, to sit here and just be like, yeah, there's going to be West Big 12 players or teams everywhere. But I, I think it's a legitimate chance to do so. I, I really do. Yeah, I, I think the other thing to keep in mind is that considering the way that the season has gone for Kansas, if they can get to the Sweet 16, that is an unmitigated success for them this year. So, like, no matter what, like, if, if they make it to the second weekend, especially, you know, being down Jalen Wilson, like, there's no expectations, I think, for them going past that point. So anything they can do after that fact is just you know, gravy on top. All right. So let's do this because we have to, <clears throat> I thought Oklahoma was underseeded. I didn't think they'd fall below a seven. So them being an eight is, was shocking to me. Um, I, I really didn't think they'd fall below a seven seed. That felt like the lowest that would, that could possibly happen to them. Um, I'm, I'm also going to admit, I think they got a really, really good matchup in a, in a Missouri team there that uh, is fading horribly down the stretch. It's also kind of one of those things. Like I was afraid based off of all of like the bracket matrix projections and everything that Missouri was going to be overseeded up at like a six and they were going to try to mash them with Kansas, you know, as a potential. So like have like Missouri and then Wichita state as like that six eleven game and give them a, a, you know, game against Kansas in the second round. 
I, I think that Oklahoma shouldn't have a problem with that game against Missouri. It's just a matter then, of course, that they run up against the buzzsaw that is Gonzaga. I mean, Oklahoma was the last eighth seed. Missouri was the first ninth seed. So that's that's they are viewed by the committee as right there next to each other, which is absolutely crazy to me. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's also let's be honest here. It's two teams that have trended in the wrong direction. They both had really high points in the season earlier in the year. Missouri knocking off Alabama, both teams knocking off Alabama, which was part of their high point. Haha. Neither team has really done great down the stretch here. Missouri lost, I think, like four or five games in a row, including some games to, to some bad SEC teams. Oklahoma's I mean, lost to Kansas State, um, swept by, beat back-to-back times by Oklahoma State. Lost. It's just These are two teams that have been trending in the wrong direction heading into this, this spot here. So I'll be really curious to see which one comes out. I think Oklahoma should be able to win this one, but I, again, I— I I don't think that Oklahoma is demonstratively better than Missouri. They they both kind of feel like teams in similar spots. So I, I do think OU is better than Missouri, but you get into situations like this and NCAA tournament, you just never know how things are going to go. I, I would probably move OU forward, but I'm not putting either team ahead of past Gonzaga. Like I believe yeah. I heard on, on ESPN, it was like, you know, what about Oklahoma or Missouri against Gonzaga? It's like, well, if Oklahoma or Missouri played the perfect game and Gonzaga played a bad game, they'd have a shot. That feels about the accurate way of describing the situation. We either need Big 12 refs level of horrible foul calls, <laughs> um, you know, against Gonzaga, or we need like half of Gonzaga's lineup to be out because of contact tracing, you know, the day of the tournament or something like that. Yeah, I mean, if they if they run into some issues, it could just be a a game of uh, the winner of Oklahoma and Mizzou versus like Louisville or something crazy. So we never really know. Uh, one thing that does <laughs> not bode well for Oklahoma is a little thing that we call home field magic. Home field magic has been pretty accurate. Georgetown got home field apparel shirts. Georgetown went and won the Big East tournament is now in the NCAA tournament, folks. In this Oklahoma-Missouri matchup, one team has fantastic super comfortable vintage college sports apparel at home field apparel one team does not and it is not the big 12 team so here's hoping that maybe the home field magic doesn't stretch into the postseason here i don't know yes we'll be filling out a home field bracket because that amuses me to no end what you fail to realize philip is that missouri has a um, postseason curse that I think is much stronger than home field magic so I think we're okay stop stop getting in the way of my my ad read here okay. don't come in with like Look, logic home field magic is fantastic okay it's but, also real I uh, guess but with how many home field teams there are there's got to be a limit somewhere blasphemy look yeah. look yeah look, I just I just feel like Missouri is not in a good spot to capitalize on home field magic so uh, well, but they have some awesome gear on home field apparel, some great tiger stuff, including a tiger basketball shirt, which I mean, I'm not buying, sure. I'm not buying Missouri gear and I'm not here to plug Missouri stuff on home field, unless you are a Missouri fan, in which case there's some, go, there's go some awesome it. Missouri stuff here. What there are, are three big 12 teams. As you know, Baylor, who is in the tournament, Texas tech, who's in the tournament, uh, Iowa state, who's really excited about the 2021 football season um, and in the women's tournament. Yes, yes, they are. No, I'm just going to say that marching sigh is a very good proxy for any Big 12 team that does not have a, a home field shirt already. Uh, my yeah, family's putting awesome. in a order soon, so my little brother can get one, and my dad can get one, and my dad can get a Toledo shirt. Will it be your family's first order? 
yes, since I'm not paying for it. Well, that's perfect because for those who don't know, when you place your first order at Homefield Apparel, you should use the promo code 1012 and get 20% off your order. So if you haven't bought from Homefield yet, maybe you've been like, well, I haven't gotten my school yet, or oh, I haven't haven't decided, or oh, my, sh- my, my cart's just too full, I don't even know what to do. Or maybe you haven't decided which Iowa State shirt to get, marching sigh, if I can be honest. There is a, a, an angry sigh bouncing, a, or dribbling a basketball, dribbling, not bouncing. In case you wanted a basketball shirt, I would expect you all focused on football now, which is fine, understandable. Um, by the way, Brock Purdy has a stash. I'm not sure how I feel about two-pump Purdy with a stash. It's a little bit weird. Anyways... Great Iowa State gear, great Baylor gear, great Texas Tech gear, Texas Tech, who we're going to talk about in a minute. If you guys think you are going to have some home field magic, I kind of think you might. And these Tortilla Toss t-shirts are freaking awesome. So, home field apparel, vintage, awesome college football apparel. Promo code 10, well, college sports apparel. Promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, gets you 20% off your first order. All orders of $70 or more get free shipping, which is good news for your family, Jamie, because I get the feeling they're going to spend a whole whopping more than $70, and 20% off is certainly going to help. So for everybody buying some new gear before March Madness tips off, promo code 1012, and be rocking some awesome college sports apparel that is uber comfortable from Homefield Apparel. All right, as I mentioned, we're going to talk Texas Tech, which means we are moving to the South region, the region that has two Big 12 teams, the last region that we're going to talk about that has two Big 12 teams, that including both Texas Tech, who is the sixth seed, and Baylor, who is the one. I think we should start with Texas Tech because I'm I'm not kidding on the home field magic, folks. Texas Tech will open against Utah State, which, haha, <laughs> that's funny. There's a storyline, Matt Wells. Get past Utah State, they will face Arkansas or Colgate, which is a game that I would just go ahead and bet the over on now. Whatever the line is, it won't be high enough. Uh, they have Ohio State as the two seed there. I don't mean to be Big 12 bias, and we kind of dogged Texas Tech because of their resume earlier, and they're a team that loses a lot of games really close, which I guess helps them out a lot. They're really good defensively. They're okay offensively if they get somebody other than Mac McClung to score points. I really like Arkansas. I'm close to Arkansas. I live in Arkansas. I think this is a really good team. That's a tough draw for Arkansas to play Colgate than Texas Tech. I think I have Texas Tech and uh, and and Coach Beard making a run to the Sweet 16 here. I I don't disagree. Um, the only bad thing for Texas Tech with the draw that they have is that um, in their little you know pot of four teams, the three of those four teams all have home field shirts. So you know, unfortunately, the home field magic is going to kind of be at odds with each other. But Arkansas is the one team that does not, and so I I, I mean I I feel really good just. You know, not even talking about advertising things for for Texas Tech's chances to come out of here um, just because the way that they play defense. Yes, their offense has some issues, um, but that defense can be suffocating when they're on. And as much as I don't like liking what Mac McClung does on the court, he is a pretty good player for them and, and does quite a bit for them. And I think he's going to help them get to the second weekend. Yeah, just because since. Since I have to have significant like women's basketball commitments plus staying on top of men's basketball, like when there's matchups that don't involve either the Big Ten or Big Twelve, I I certainly lose a lot of my ability to uh, predict anything. But I like the way that Tech's been playing. I think that they've they figured some stuff out. They figured out the way that they they need to run things as a team, and so not really knowing a whole lot about their opponents as of yet. I I wouldn't put it past them to be able to pull off some upsets. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Utah State was one of those teams where were like, we think they're going to get in. They're probably going to get in. They should get in. And then they got in and got a an 11 seed, which is probably a little bit higher than I think most people expected if they were going to get in. I think Utah State is solid. They kind of finished second in the Mountain West. Really, they were like tied for first because, again, everyone didn't play the same number of games. I think Texas Tech should really get past Utah State. Arkansas should get past Colgate. I like Arkansas. They're really good. They're really well coached. And I think that Texas Tech-Arkansas game, if you want storylines, all I ever hear is, who is the team that Chris Beard was supposed to leave Texas Tech for but then didn't because they made a run of the national championship game? Woo pig. We love storylines. NCAA tournament is going to give us a lot of talking points. Trust me, everyone in Arkansas, everyone in the state of Arkansas is absolutely convinced that Chris Beard has ba- had told all of his assistants, we're going to Arkansas, and then they made a run to the NCAA championship game and then stayed at Texas Tech because Texas Tech decided to pay them, which also doesn't make a lot of sense why that matters, but whatever. I think Texas Tech-Arkansas is going to be a really fun matchup in the second round. I think Homefield Magic might play Texas Tech in the right direction here and, and get them onto the Sweet 16. I don't think they get past Ohio State. I think Ohio State's playing really, really well. But I think they can get to that point. On the upper half of the bracket, Baylor, the one seed, they face off against Hartford, and then we'll face off either against North Carolina or Wisconsin. Please, I want to watch Baylor just beat North Carolina. Um, the other top seeds in this bracket, Villanova's the five. Ooh. There's a five everybody wants to face off against. And uh, Purdue is a four. No, no, and I'm not being sarcastic. Like, Villanova's top two players are out. Like, you want to play. Uh, I might pick Winthrop just because of that. Purdue is the four seed. Let's ask this. How far do you guys see Baylor going in this in this uh, region? I mean, I, I think Purdue's going to give them a really good game. But I, I do think that Baylor will end up pulling that one out. And, look, Ohio State is good. But, you know, they, they faltered down the stretch against Illinois. Um, and it was, you know, doing things that I think Baylor is well equipped to take advantage of. And so while I, again, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a very entertaining one. Great to watch. I just, I'm having a hard time picking anyone other than Baylor coming out of this region because of how good this Baylor bear team is offensively. Um, you know, and, and it's not like the defense is horrible. It's not the strength of their team. They are fantastic offensively though. And defensively, they've got some really, really good defensive players. Yeah. I mean, I honestly believe that having a loss or two in your season um, and having close games prepares you the best for the postseason. And I think that Baylor's obviously had some games where they look at and say, yeah, we probably should have, you know, blown that team out of the water or something like that. But the fact they've had to compete, they've had to play complete games. They're not coasting to 30-point wins every night. But they have the capability to do that at any point in time. I think that they're poised to go on a really deep run. I agree. I think that Purdue will give them a game. And again, it's one of those situations we talked about earlier where maybe if Purdue played really well, and Baylor didn't play particularly well. Yeah, we could we could see an upset there. Baylor's not unbeatable. But just given the steadiness of their play, I think that the most likely outcome is for them to be the team to come out of their region. I agree. Again, I think Purdue is playing really well. I think they're sneaky good. I think they're better than most people realize they mm-hmm. are. 
Um, so I do think they're going to get Baylor some trouble. I, I think, and I think they've got a, an easy path. I think North Texas is a solid team. I really do, but I think Purdue should beat them. I'll say this: we're all going to praise Purdue. If I had to pick, there's always an upset no one picks to happen, right? Everyone has their favorite first round upsets, and we've talked about. If they're upsets in this season, is you're going to see that. I mean, there's always four, five, six. We have not seen a three seed upseated in like upset in like three years or three tournaments, not three years because we didn't have one last year. If I had to circle one where I'm like, no, I'm not going to pick this. There's no way I'm going to pick this. It's not going to happen. But I'm going to pick what to happen. It's this one. I think Purdue is really good. I think they're. I think they are sneaky good. I think North Texas is solid. Yeah. See, if I had to go with one, I would. I would be going Ohio over Virginia. I just, I mean, it's it, it's That's one of those where, look, I think I think Purdue is 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 a sneaky good, super solid team, and you know, as much as you you want to try to find one of those, it's like, oh my gosh, like I just couldn't see that happening. This is one that I would be legitimately shocked if Purdue lost this game to North Texas. Purdue's either going to lose in the first round or go to the Final Four. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's enough Purdue talk for one week. They also have home field magic, so we should we should see a home field magic matchup between Purdue and Baylor in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, yeah, I think we get Baylor. I think we get Ohio State. I do think they're playing really well. I think they're really good. I think they're a really good team. They don't have a bunch of just like studs on there. There's no one on that team. You're like that guy's a first round in, a, in NBA draft pick, but they're a really good team. They're really stinking well coached, and I think. That's going to get them up to Baylor. I do. I, I think Baylor will beat Ohio State. I think Baylor goes to the Final Four. I haven't decided if I think they go to the championship or not. Um, but I, I I, do think Ohio State and Baylor meet in the Elite Eight with Baylor triumphant. Uh, we are going to move on to the East region in just one minute. But first, Phillips Slavin of the 1012 podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right, and it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site, and if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor. By Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So, Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. All right, just one Big 12 team in this one. Obviously, Michigan is the one seed here in the East. Uh, Alabama is the two seed here. Texas is our only Big 12 team. They are the three. This is the region for me I, I think is the most apt for the one and the two not making the Elite Eight. I, I, I know we picked uh, Kansas to make it as the three seed. I know we picked West Virginia to make it as the three seed. But I could also see, you know, 
I could buy Houston and I could buy Iowa. I think I think there's an easy formula for beating Alabama. And I think Michigan's really good, but I, I also think they've lost like three of their last five. I think that they, they've lost one of their important players for the season. I forget his name is. I think this is the the region that is most at most likely to have a non one or two seed coming out of it and making the final four. I'm curious you guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is the bracket that's going to have the most chaos. And and I literally do mean chaos because I could see a lot of really weird stuff happening. I could see Georgetown going on a run and facing Michigan in the Sweet 16. Um, I could also actually see Colorado uh, going for, for quite a ways here as well. I just I think that there's a lot of up-and-down teams that are very high variance that are either really good or really bad. Like they're, they're really good at their highs. They're really bad at their lows. And I'm including Michigan in that because Michigan has fallen off a cliff from where they were, um, you know, just in the last couple of weeks here. Um, you know, I, I think sneaky teams for me coming out of this. Um, I actually think that that BYU Texas matchup that we have potentially in the second round here is going to be a very, very good matchup. And I would not be shocked if the winner of that matchup actually went to the final four. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that's not even like a crazy thing to say, in my opinion. And yeah, I mean, you look at you look at the entirety of the East region and there's just like you said, there's a lot of chaos brewing there. You have Georgetown, who has has certainly had a week for themselves. You know, you've got Michigan, who at times has looked like a world beater and at times has looked like a beater. And <laughs> I couldn't even really begin to start to predict anything just because I feel like there's a lot of teams that have a lot of variation over the course of the season. And it's just impossible to predict how some of them are going to match up, how some of them are going to adjust when you're in obviously a a kind of bizarre environment. You want to point at like the typical, Oh, you know, this is their quote unquote home region. You've got, uh, you've got so many people who are not obviously having to contend with that year. And so it's, it's just kind of a funky space. And I think it's really interesting. I think that having even <laughs> Michigan state UCLA as a first four game is, is obviously intriguing, which the head of the committee said himself, he's like, yeah, we thought, Hey, this would be kind of a fun way to start the tournament off. And I think that we all probably agree with that. You've got teams that have, that uh that history there you want to talk about people who have sold their soul for postseason success uh there's uh there's one there that you could probably point at in uh in michigan state but gosh it's i don't know it's a really really wild region yeah i I think the only thing that i would be absolutely floored by is if Michigan or Alabama got upset in the first round. Like, I, I honestly think that's the only result that would just completely floor me. Like, even, like, Texas losing to Abilene Christian, yeah, I wouldn't pick it. I think maybe it's, like, a 90, you know, like a 98% that Texas wins it. But I can at least see it as a possibility that maybe they have an off night, um, you know, or something really weird happens. The Like, the only two games I am absolutely certain about in that entire bracket is that Alabama's going to win their first round game against Iona and Michigan's going to win you know, against whoever comes out of that first four game. And that's it. So let me say this. Um, I feel like my gut tells me, and I'm not going to go look it up because I'm going to be wrong, but it feels like every year one of the 11 seed play-in teams wins at least one game. 
right? So you get the Wichita State and Drake and Michigan State and UCLA. I I think Michigan State not only wins theirs against UCLA, but they get past BYU. What happens every year, I swear, um, don't, don't prove me wrong. I know I would be wrong, but I feel like it happens more often than we give it credit for. Yeah, but we're going to get that with the Wichita State-Kansas matchup. Uh, you really going to do that to yourself? Man, come on. Um, yeah, and that's the problem with this one as I look at it. I don't like Colorado, but it also feels like the team that if, if we were going to pick out of this bracket to like make a run. I get Georgetown. It's going to be a very popular upset pick. It really is. There's a great run in the Big East tournament. They were in New York. I think there's a lot of emotion. Maybe a little bit too trendy. It's too trendy. I think it's too – I also think it's because I – I was the anti-Colorado bandwagon for a while. And I think it's almost become like everyone's like, I don't get it. And I've done enough to look and go, okay, I bought in a little bit more. And so I think it's one of those like people don't buy Colorado and Georgetown just did what they did. It's a lot of fun. The winning your conference tournament when you weren't supposed to and then going to the tournament making a run thing doesn't happen like people think it does. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think that momentum ever really carries over. It's a full other week. You're in a whole different city. It's a totally different. It's not a conference opponent. I, I don't think that carries over. I would pick Colorado here. I like Florida state. I might pick Colorado over Florida state. I, I think, I think I'm, oh man, I, I like Michigan. It's a weird thing. Like I, I'd, Michigan and football can, can suck an egg. Michigan and basketball Juwan Howard's a little bit overly emotional sometimes, but man, it's hard not to like him. I, and maybe other people would be like, no, oh, I hate Michigan. That's fine. I, I have a hard time not picking Michigan to make a run, but if I think this is that bracket, I might have to go with, man, I like Florida State. I don't know. I have a, I really have a hard time with this bracket. I, this is the one I'm struggling with the most, which and maybe other people are like, no, oh, dude, it's going to be UConn and, and Michigan, whatever. I don't, I'll put it this way. If you want to beat Alabama, I think Texas can beat Alabama. I don't think every Big 12 team is not going to make the Sweet 16 except Oklahoma. So let's say this. I will take take Alabama in the Elite Eight, even though I hate it, and I will take Colorado in the Elite Eight, which doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to. Don't ask me to pick a winner there because I just, I can't. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. The one thing I will say to your Georgetown point, I think a lot of people, I, I've seen a lot of people pointing to when UConn with Kemba Walker, you know, went on that huge run to win five games in five days to win the Big East tournament and then, you know, went on to win the national title. Like that is rare. Like that is the yep. super exception. You know, what people forget about is like when Georgia went on a big run to win the SEC tournament, got in as a 12 seed and then fell flat on their face. Like that happens a lot more often than you would, or actually, I'm sorry, Georgia was a 13 seed. It was the lowest power five school that won their conference tournament to ever, you know, like the, the lowest seed they've ever gotten. So like, it, it, you know, if, if you go on a miraculous run to win your conference tournament, it usually means you had a whole lot of luck that you cannot expect to carry over to the NCAA tournament. It doesn't mean that you're a whole lot better than people thought you were throughout the year. It means you got extremely lucky in back-to-back-to-back games in a, you know, play-every-single-day kind of environment. So, yeah, I, I don't think that Georgetown is going to be anywhere near as good as a lot of people. Like, that's the the super trendy upset pick, and I just, I, I have a hard time seeing it happening. The, the, other, the other problem with using that UConn comp, uh, Kimball Walker. Right. Like, right. Sometimes teams get hot. Syracuse did it when they like won, started at the bottom and won the Big East or the ACC or whatever with, I forget what the white boy's name was. 
and I think they won a game in the tournament because they always seem to. But it's not like they were like made some massive run. Like it was just cool that they did that. And it happens all the time. But those teams never, they don't, they don't like, like maybe maybe Georgetown beats Colorado. I I just I think I, it's too hard to translate making that run with that momentum in your conference tournament to NCAA tournament. I don't I don't think that carries over. There's it's too it's just completely different, and I don't think it does at all. So. All right, so for everybody, we are doing a bracket challenge here for the 10-12. And I would I would tell you the uh, the link to go to, but it's way too complicated. So I'm sorry. I, I probably should have been like, go to 1012bracket.cam. It doesn't work. Um, we are using something called Sleeper Brackets to, to run our bracket challenge. If you follow us on social media, on Twitter, uh, you can find the link there. We continue to post it. We will have it. Uh, pinned to the top of our Twitter account at 1012 podcast. At this point, as we recording this at 9.05, we currently have nine people uh, with their brackets. That's me included. Uh, myself, Andy, Jamie, Daniel, and Chris will have brackets in there so you can compete against us. We will have a prize for the winner, assuming the winner is not one of the five of us. Wait. Prize. Yeah, sorry, Jamie. Uh, employees do not count for the prize. Employees? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> are you getting paid you mean you're gonna start paying us okay <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna pay you in we're uh, being paid in exposure you're being paid in compliments oh i yes, thought, I thought we were getting paid in shroot bucks <laughs> no i'm just gonna mail you beats so go follow us on twitter at 10 podcast find the link pinned to the top of the twitter account where you can join our bracket challenge we will have a prize for the winner assuming it's not one of the five of us We'll talk about you guys getting stuff later, okay? <laughs> Whatever. So follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast. Follow us on the gram at 1012pod. We'll be posting exclusive content. I don't know what we're going to post this week. I'm sure we'll have some things. Of course, we'll have our episodes as we do every Monday and Thursday morning at 6 a.m. We'll be talking brackets and betting the NCAA tournament this week for our midweek episode. And I don't know what else. We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll talk about the teams that finished at the bottom of the conference and the hot seats that their coaches may or may not be sitting on. Iowa State and Kansas State, but emphasis on Iowa State. Okay, we have to wrap on this. Who wins the uh, Who wins March Madness this year? Jamie? I got a ride with Eric Steyer's pick, especially after watching him today. Illinois. It's going to make my blood curdle. Uh, Andy? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm having a hard time going away from the favorites. Um, as much as I don't want to, I I mean, I I just unfortunately, I think this is Baylor's tournament to win. Ooh, very nice. We have two different picks. Guess what? I, I have a third different pick for all the Gonzaga slander that happens all the time. I think it's finally Gonzaga's year. I, I think Mark Few gets one. I think they win this year. I I think Illinois is really stinking good. I think Baylor's really stinking good. I think Gonzaga is really stinking good. And I and I have a hard time seeing anyone outside of those three teams making the championship game. I just I just don't. Um, uh, we could be wrong. You could have a, a two and a three. I just I think those three teams are so good and so dominant this year. Uh, and so all three of us, of course, will have one of each of them uh, winning the whole thing. So Gonzaga for me, Illinois for Jamie, which makes makes my stomach turn uh brad underwood and uh baylor for andy i so we'll i, I am gonna we... note i do reserve the right to not have that be my pick in my bracket after i've thought about it for a little bit so <laughs> uh dude we're recording this at we're just going to finish this up about 9 10 on sunday i haven't filled out a bracket yet if you think that everything i say here no I'll, plus somewhere on espn i will have a home field bracket where i only pick teams that have home field magic 
decide to win the whole thing. Baylor has home field magic, just in case you were curious. Baylor does. But so does Purdue. (laughs) You know who doesn't? Gonzaga does not. Exactly. We used to make dog brackets where all the dogs won for our pets. (laughs) Illinois does not. Iowa does, but I'm I'm not picking that. That's that's gross. Sorry, Jamie. Um, Sorry. All right. Follow us on Twitter. Sign up for our bracket challenge. You could win or beat us and have some bragging rights. Also, if you win and it's not one of the five of us and you want to come on the show and and you get 10 minutes, I'll give you 10 minutes on the show. So anybody who listens and wants to enter. So we'll have that pinned to the top of the Twitter account. I I can't post on Instagram because Instagram doesn't allow us to have links because the gram. Um, We'll be back on Thursday. Follow Andy on Twitter at AndyMits12. That's M-I-T-T-S. Follow Jamie at JSteyz, J-S-T-E-Y-Z. Follow us at 1012 Podcast, and we'll talk to you all again on Thursday. Good luck with your brackets. Podcast Network.